sports fans, and welcome to episode 58 of State of My Sports. That's State of MI Sports, where we talk about the teams we love and you love in this great state of Michigan. Stay in touch with us on our social media, State of MI Sports, on Instagram and Twitter. Also, like our Facebook page, State of MI Sports. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. You're alerted when a new episode is out. And share us with some friends to help us grow our audience. Episode 58, we will uh, dive headfirst into the Tigers' first overall pick, which is tomorrow. Uh, we're going to dissect kind of the first four or five prospects. I, I don't know. We'll see. Where, uh, where, however geeky we want to get, we'll just get. Let's get second, um, we, second we, round geeky. <laughs> oh, you want to do that? I'm down. <laughs> At least a little, yeah. All right. If you, I can't do that personally, All but right, if you want to do it, be my, be my guest. I'm game. Um, uh, so, yeah, the, pick, the first overall pick is tomorrow. And then I don't know if they're doing multiple rounds, but uh, yeah, first overall pick is really what I want to focus on. But let's let's do a little more geek stuff if you want to. Um, we ran out of time last week with our for our honey do list that we wanted to create for Steve Eiserman to make the perfect uh, off season basically for for the Red Wings. Uh, so we'll get to that this week, and of course we'll grade some Michigan beers. I am saying Waldhart with me today, Ryan Waldhart and Micah Smith. Kyle is still. Hiding under a rock. He doesn't know it's summer yet. He thinks he's hiding from snow, but uh, he's not. But he, he just won't return my calls or anything. But no, I'm just kidding. He'll be back. He will be back hopefully next week. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. I've been saying that for a while now. But uh, yeah, you've been you saying never that know. for like two straight months. <laughs> yeah. You sound like a Michigan fan. Next, yeah, there's next year. He was all proud. Like Always He's like, week. oh, I've <laughs> never missed an episode, blah, blah, blah. Well, you can't say that anymore. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> So, uh, we'll start about like what, what how'd you guys how'd you guys weeks and weekend go, Micah? Anything exciting happen? Yeah, we got invited to a cottage up north, kind of Mount Pleasant area. That was a lot of fun. We got to spend some good quality time with some close friends that we haven't seen in a while. So must be nice. Yeah, it was yeah. it was really nice. Do they have a motorboat and stuff? They have a pontoon boat. Cool. So the kids enjoyed doing that. They did some swimming, tried some fishing. I, I really do need to get set up for fishing because whatever I was doing was wrong. Yeah. Well, did you touch the worm and stuff? Did you touch oh, yeah. the worm and the fish? Did you take any fish off the hook? Or did you not catch no, anything? No, I didn't catch <laughs> didn't anything. Catch any. Would you have touched no, the fish? I, I mean, I, I guess I caught the I worm. I put would, the worm on there. And... I don't know. I Catching, like taking the fish off the hook, it it creeps me out. Like, yeah, I, I, went, I went with a guy from work, like this was way back in the day, and he like, would stick his thumb in the fish's mouth. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like, and he told me I had to do. It. I was like, no chance, dude. I'm gonna see ya. If that's if that's part of the deal. Yeah, I'm like, not. Why? I'm like, not that doing makes no it. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, how about you, Ryan? Anything exciting happen? I don't. I had the most chill, absolutely nothing weekend that I can remember. Yeah. And I think I was just tired. There's a lot going on at work recently, so I, I just think I needed to just recharge over the weekend. I don't know. Yeah, I just spent time with some well, you family. Had a, you had a birthday party. Did we? You had like an eight-person oh, birthday right. party. Yeah, thank you for reminding me yeah. what I did over the weekend. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I my, remember you saying that. Yeah, I, was, I was at home by myself, waiting for you to show up, <laughs> looking out my front door, like, "When's Ryan coming home?" You and the kids. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, we did. We celebrated, I think, six different birthdays that we've uh, missed. kind of missed during the whole COVID time. So we caught up, and it was an expensive weekend, but it's it's all good. Yeah. It's all for uh, family for sure. Yeah, we just basically hung around the pool. Actually, I went golfing. Nice. I went shooting. I went shooting with Kyle. Actually, wait, what? Yeah. So that yeah, shot a little. What? Yeah. 
that that's that's off air discussion. Yeah, I'll, he's offended right now. He's very offended. <laughs> Mike is offended. It's so all my <laughs> what on planet Earth, guys? Yeah. So I was uh, went shooting at his house for a little bit, which is fun on Friday. He's gonna forget about it. Yeah, we're not gonna talk about that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Dang. But um, yeah. So let's let's get into our actually no let's let's do let's keep talking. Let's just keep talking. About what? Yeah. Let's about talk. what? So COVID has been lifted basically in the state of Michigan. Like not not official, not completely, obviously, but. Restaurants can open as of yesterday to fifty percent capacity or something like that. Is that is that right? I don't really something like listen. That. Yeah, I think it's the stage, talks, the, the phase four, right? Phase four for all those. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. I'm not paying attention to the phases. <laughs> yeah, I'm Sorry. just kind of like, are you guys open? Like, I think we skipped phase three. <laughs> is that what it was? Yeah. Perfect. Well, what I wanted to do, so so we went Facebook Live and no sent sent a post out uh, to try to get some comments and. and some some of what people are looking forward to the most, like certain restaurants locally or bars or breweries and stuff. I mean, for me, like I'm so excited for for the hops to be open. I was talking to the bartender there today, and you know we're we're, we're excited. Like we're, we're we're gonna go there next week and record. Uh, we got some things coming up for that episode. Uh, I, I'm excited to record there on Tuesday. Like that is really what I'm looking forward to. Um, just get treated with some drinks and, and all that kind of I've stuff. Def- so. I've definitely missed that. Our time at DeHops. Yeah, we haven't been there since yeah. early March, maybe even late February. Doing this. this yes. set up over yep. there. It's a great time it every is. time. So. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that. Is there a certain restaurant that you're, like, Man. waiting to dig into and get get your hands on? Me? Yeah, yeah. whoever wants to jump in. Yeah, I can't wait to go back to Walker Roadhouse, to be honest. Yes, I, they were closed completely. Just they weren't even completely doing, closed. Yeah. I miss the people. I mean, all all the bartenders, the servers, the owners. I miss the food, and I want to get me a cherry wheat. Oh yeah, they get... have the best cherry wheat. I don't know what what, it, know is, what it is, but they do something amazing there. Um, and get some buffalo chicken dip. Their buffalo chicken dip is different than everyone else's. Solid, solid. Yeah, and That's I, a solid one. And honestly, I can't wait to go back to AJ's family fun spot or whatever you call that place. I want to get in the batting cages. Oh yeah, I, I, I want to bring my That'd son. Be really fun. You know, and him and I can. Have a couple hours there, do some batting cage stuff, maybe do some go-karts. Yeah. That's a good one. That's yeah, that's a really fun. good one. Uh, I, I don't really get out a whole lot with the kids, um, so uh, there's nothing that comes to mind. I mean, that would be fun, maybe take a mini golfing or something. Uh, we always enjoy doing that. Although they don't follow the rules, which is something that I got to get past. <laughs> I got to get past that. They're acting like a three-year-old. Yeah, exactly. I just <laughs> one, three, they and cheat, five. They cheat so much, and they can't even count to how many strokes they get. But, um, Ryan, did you come up with one that like stands out to you that you're excited about? If I'm if I'm gonna pick just one, I think it's actually gonna be Founders opening up because that is kind of our. Go- I work really really close to Founders, right across the river. So our go-to spot for lunch is we just go over there and have a great lunch every once in a while as a group, and um, I think we we should have more meetings over there. So I think we're going to start some scheduling some meetings just to have an excuse to go out and go to Founders. Yeah. For lunches, if I'm talking about dinner, I think City Built is still City my Built. Place. Yeah, I lo- yeah. I love their tacos there, and, and the Grandwich that was one that really came to mind for me. Yeah. Um, I'm just excited to kind of sit down. Like, like I'm I'm not a I don't like bringing food from one place to another. Like I've never been a fan of that. It just—it's never the same. French, me nuts. Like French fries do not travel well. Period. No. End of story. Like I could get go to uh, uh, West Side Social. They have very good food. Love their food. They do. That's a good place too. They yeah. have very good. Uh, th- what do I always get there? The patty melt. That's my go-to. The patty yeah. melt with their with their West or 
Social fries. Social fries. Unbelievable. And then I get it here, and I'm just like, it's never the same. Yeah. I'm no. excited to go sit my butt in a seat and order up a patty melt and some fries. Like this weekend? I personally don't like crowds, so I'm probably going to try to avoid it for a little bit until things start. I don't like waiting. I hate waiting to wait Oh, I was going to say a crowd. They have to be at like 50%. Yeah, the crowd yeah. isn't there, but I guess the waiting part is what's going <laughs> to is what's gonna bother me a little bit. Uh, well, I, I mean, Mike, did we get any? Any comments? Well, I, 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 I kind of a stretch here, but I kind of tried to trick you into this weekend because we're going to do a beers and bikes, and that's what my wife brought up on here. That's right. Yes, that's coming so up. So you're going to go into a crowded area at some point this weekend. I'm gonna have to prepare for that. Yeah, several of them. <laughs> yeah. So where where are we stopping? You said uh, the Mitten is where our first stop, right? The Mitten, the Mitten Brewing. Mitten Brewing is going to be our first stop. We're going to have some pizza, some beer there, probably right at noon. And then we're going to head over to Arvon Brewing over on uh, South Division there. Solid choice. Um, oh, cool. And then from there, we'll see what the day makes of it. So, I mean, I have no idea. Whatever is going to be open and least amount of capacity we could all fit our friends in, we'll see. Yeah. Luckily, we just can drive. drive our bike, ride our bikes and not have to worry about parking. Just kind of yep. go. Uh, so yeah, that, that'll be a lot of fun. We're obviously going to stop at the hops on the way back to my house. hundred percent. Before we start swimming and stuff to get some beer for that. But, um, yeah, just really excited about all, all of this stuff opening up. Um, I, I do want to get into our beer intros, but before I do that, uh, for episode 58, I want to remind everyone that the hops is open. It is open. They said they're, they're at the 50% capacity. You can go in, get a seat, get a beer. Their kitchen is not fully going yet. They're they're still not sure. They're hoping this weekend they can have some like appetizers and all that good stuff. But uh, they're they're trying to figure out how to bring the staff back on uh, yep. for the kitchen and all that stuff. Just I mean when she Whitmer's doing what she's doing, kind of catching all these people off guard. They didn't really know what to do. So now yeah. it's just uh, here and they have to react. So uh, but you can still yeah you can stop get a beer. Mention state of my sports. You get a dollar off uh, your your pint. And you could also get a crawler fill or a growler fill. You get a dollar off a crawler, three dollars off a growler fill. Uh, if you mention state of my sports, so uh, please go ahead and do that. And Micah, uh, keep keep monitoring the the comments, see if we get yeah. any more people rolling in. But uh, l- tell everybody what you're drinking tonight. Tonight I'm drinking from uh, Broadleaf Brewing. It's called Paradise Mutation. It's a sour IPA, and the the can is really cool. It's one of those those Braille cans again. Yeah, it's really cool. Um. It, it's is that their signature it, like, is that the same one that you had with, with that yeah i think it was hazy before? j or ha- hazy or the same company same company so this is like a this is a branch of um what's the one over in east town the big one brewery vivant oh okay oh nice that's right yeah i remember you mentioning mm-hmm. that it was uh the brewery vivant is like a certain style yeah it's and this like, this brewery is, is a certain style as well right yeah. so it's like they didn't want to do I'm I'm sure we'll get schooled on knowledge next week. Yeah. Right. Um. But uh. Yeah. So I I think that Brewery Vaughn is more like the, the belt strictly Belgian style beers. Okay. And this is more more like their their hazies and their sours. You know, kind of what's trending nowadays. Yeah, the trendy the trendy one. So yeah, that's yeah. a good way to word it yeah, there. It's good. How about you, Ryan? I am drinking Mango Kiss Milkshake IPA from Rochester Mills Beer Company. Uh, this is, I'm just going to go ahead and read it. A refreshing beer of tropical hops. This IPA combines the 
citrusy flavors of citra and mosaic hops with a kiss of ripe mangoes, subtly sweet lactose and a hint of vanilla. The first thing I noticed with this is how real the mango flavor actually is. It doesn't it doesn't taste like, you know, like a syrup mango that you just kind of pour yeah. in. This feel this this tastes really kind of like a fresh mango taste to it. So okay. that's the first thing I appreciate. Yeah, uh, I remember about right, it. as soon as you crack it, he's like, "Whoa, that's yeah. mangoey." Yeah, just kind of like you, you can smell it immediately. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I am drinking from Elk Brewing Company, uh, which is in Comstock Park, Michigan. Uh, it's the Raspberry Lime Ghost. So it says, "Pucker up this slightly salty tart ale." Ghosts, great with raspberry and lime. That's basically all, all the information that's on the can. I'm gonna have to so, find more information for this one for for my grade. What What was your initial reaction? Because I think founders make something like that. Right? Salty. I would definitely say salty. That salty. is the first thing that that came to mind. Is it pretty um, tart and sweet? Yes, it is. It has a lot of like sourness. I mean, I I don't know. I get tart and sour. That's all the same thing, right? I think it's the same. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's yeah, pretty much the same. Yeah. yeah it it's definitely has that, that tart, sour taste to it. Well, those are different things, but yeah. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, the, jerk. the <laughs> word pucker up is like perfect because like when you go to drink, you're kind of puckering up and I just about knocked over my it's mic. It's like the second time it's happened. I know. This is, I've, all over. My hands are everywhere today and you guys are giving me crap about that pre-show. Um, but I, well, I don't know. But yeah, you kind of pucker up to to take a drink, then you pucker up once you take a sip of it because it's so sour. So Tart. why don't you remind everyone what we're talking about? Like- yeah. So so what we really wanted to do here, we had our full intro, um, but we kind of did the roundtable of like the the places that we are excited locally to to kind of go to as as things start opening. So Micah, yours was um, Walker Roadhouse. Walker Roadhouse. Ryan, you brought up City Bill and uh, Founders. Founders. I brought up the hops. We all kind of brought up the hops, and then uh, Westside Social, um, Ironwood. Is, is, I'm also really looking forward to, to Ironwood. That's just kind of like the, the that's place a good that late I, the, night the place spot. that my parents will buy me drinks. So that's kind of yeah. where I show up after <laughs> at a, after a late date night with Andrea. So that's so, where I usually go. It's cheap, and then if they buy, it's even better. So Gary said. She's excited for Lindo Mexico and Slow's Barbecue. Lindo. Oh, those are good. I'm 0 for 2 on those. I should try both oh, of them. Yeah, I've heard good things. Definitely got to try them. I pre- still prefer Two Scots, but Slow's and Two Scots let the rivalry keep going because they're... Is they're, it a pretty yeah, big they're, rivalry? They're both legit. In my mind, it is. Slow's has a bigger name, but Two Scots, to me... Two Scots was here first. It. Yeah? It was. Oh, yeah. It's a good place. Yeah, and they have better, better sauces, too. They do have better sauces. The, sauce, the sauces dog are sauce? so key to a barbecue place. Oh, you get it's yeah. all about the sauces. Have you had dog sauce from from Two Scots? Because I mean, you pair that with their burnt ends or their brisket, and oh my gosh, their brisket is off the amazing. chart. Amazing. Yeah. So were they closed for during this time? They actually stayed open for I think they had some crazy like, hours. Yeah. Weird they hours they, they already have short hours as it is. Okay. Um, I actually scaling back a little bit. Yeah, I can't say that I actually tried it out we i went with a whole bunch of people from like germany and italy and stuff in switzerland i've been there and that ended up being their absolute favorite lunch they would go and just eat tons of brisket and every single day they do that yeah uh i also found out through through the grapevine uh that there's a new brewery opening up like exactly a mile down the road from me so i'm pretty excited it's called lost art brewing company or sorry lost art brew house 
Um, very excited for that to open. Yep. They're, they're hoping this month. They're, they're not sure yet. Uh, they got kind of delayed in, in production and all that stuff. But uh, been talking to the guy. Great, great guy. Seems like uh, lives in a great neighborhood, I hear. Uh, the but <laughs> um, really excited for that one. And I love when new places open up. I just get – I. You know, I, especially a brewery, like when, when someone's opening the brewery and you look at the owner in the face or, or you're talking to him and you can feel the passion that like this is his his dream in a lot of ways. Like this is his, his little this baby, baby that he's starting. And that's yeah. so cool. I love it. And and I hope more people get that same feeling because, I mean, it's just so cool. And, and go out there and support them as soon as they open up. We'll, we'll probably share some of that stuff as it comes across the, the board and stuff. But, uh, yeah, that one's really close that I'm looking forward to as well, hopefully by the end of the month. One of our teams already has the first overall pick. We're hoping that the Pistons get lucky. We're hoping that the Red Wings get what where land where they're supposed to. But the Tigers are already there. They're there. Can you imagine if if all three of our teams, like let's say Pistons and the Red Wings win the lottery, and then we have three out of the like that'd be pretty cool. Three first overall picks. This town's gonna go insane. Yeah. Well, we already are without with how bad all of our teams are. But it's true. Uh, we're gonna dive right into. Uh, some some of the players that that I think we need to keep an eye on uh, go, going into this draft. So basically, there's, there's some information that's been coming out that I'm going to kind of zoom right through, but that is definitely worth bringing up. Uh, so obviously, you get, everybody knows that the NFL draft is usually like 755 rounds, but they cut it down to five rounds this year. And uh, as the Tigers being in the first overall pick, it, it absolutely kills them. And then all of a sudden you start seeing these these names coming out that are removing them, their names from the draft. I, I, I didn't know what happened. I didn't know they could. I, I it, This is all kind of new to me to kind of pay attention to this draft overall. But, I mean, really, you, you have... I, th- I have this list, and it's going to be five names. Nobody cares about the names other than one. There was one that really stood out um, in, in this article. So... Basically, this guy, uh, his name is something Cruz. What was his first name? Sorry. Dylan Cruz. He is an outfielder uh, in coming out of high school. Supposed to be a, a pretty pretty, pretty good prospect, basically. So he's 39th overall, basically, is where he's landing on, on the big board. And that's, where, that's right where the Tigers mm. draft uh, in their second round. Their first second round pick is uh, 38th overall. Is that correct, Ryan? Yep, pick number 38. So you have this guy, and you have... Basically, from there on out, you have a lot of talent that is removing themselves from this draft. And I'm sitting here just watching this unfold. It's like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, these are These are all players that could be, like, let's say the Tigers weren't looking at this guy. And he got drafted 35th overall or something like that. Well, that just means somebody that they wanted at 35 fell to him at 38. And I'm like, this guy is, is a top, top-ish prospect in the MLB draft. And he just pulled his name out because of what's going on with his COVID right. and the money changing and all. Like, it's kind of confusing, but I don't know. There's Several top 200 caliber prospects have removed their name from the draft. And that kills the value of the Tigers that they worked so little, literally hard for, literally hard for. <laughs> they, they, sure. tried the <laughs> they tried the least hard. They tried the least hard so we could be in this position. Like, we earned this. <laughs> They tried yeah, so hard tried, to be yeah. the least appealing team. <laughs> and here we are. We only get five five picks or maybe six. Who knows if we have a compensation yeah, pick really, in there. It's but. just too bad. You know, because 
you you say it, I guess you already kind of outlined it, but like the, you know, <clears throat> the top of the second round is is you're getting first round talent because people in teams reach for the pe- the person they want that might be a second, third, or for even fourth round talent, or especially in baseball more than any other sport, these teams actually will reach for players that they like because they also don't want to pay the first round. Uh, caps or you know bonus yeah. bonuses signing bonuses they don't want to reach for for a high name a big name in the first round so you get a lot of first round talent falling to the second in the third and so on so in the, in the sixth seventh eighth round you might get second or third round talent because nobody wants to pay him that makes sense yeah you know so so there's it, a bigger impact it's it's a domino effect the snowball gets bigger and bigger and it just kind of hurts the tigers not, this year not to even mention the astros and i believe the red sox both forfeited their first round pick yeah i believe you're right I mean, yeah, but then all of a sudden you have, I think it's eight compensation picks for some teams, so it's not like – it's it'll look di- – like if, if people watch this that don't usually, it looks different than a normal draft because you have all these compensation picks. You can't trade. You can't do anything. Like it, it's basically you pick when it's your turn. I even heard rumor that there's a, a top 10, top 15 team that's going to forfeit their pick. Like they just don't want to do it because they don't want to spend the money. In, in this time. But, I mean, seriously, they, these teams are co- losing millions and millions and millions of dollars this year. Like, this year is the, a nightmare for so many of these clubs. So, I get it. I mean, if they don't want to spend money on a young guy that's going to be impactful in four years. Yeah, and it's not just money up front. It's money that you're going to invest a crap ton in to make sure he works out. Because you need him to work out. Right. Yeah. Like, the, all of a sudden, who are, so, so let's say the Tigers take Torkelson. He is all of a sudden their most prized possession I mean, obviously, Casey Mize is still there. You have the, the pitching. You have Riley Green. But all of a sudden, mm-hmm. this is the new name. This is the guy that they're going to focus on. This is the guy that they're going to invest their money, their time into to make sure he works. Otherwise, they're going to get caught with their pants down, basically. I love I love saying mm-hmm. that. Caught with pants down. No <laughs> one likes getting caught with their pants down. Well, no. <laughs> well, depends the situation. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I like catching hey. people with their pants down. Certain people. What? What's <laughs> just one person? <laughs> one person. <laughs> anyway, anyway, your wife's that, gonna uh, listen. Yeah. Uh, no, Who is he talking about? She hasn't listened in a while, so <laughs> I doubt she'll listen today. But if she does, she'll tell me about yeah, it. You'll know. You'll know. <laughs> and that's okay. I love. It. I try to be. Try to be good. She, but all right, I'm gonna just move on from there. Boy, I, I try I'm to trying, be good. I'm trying to stop all your heads. I'm trying to. Yeah. Well, <laughs> she's trained me well. Yeah. But anyways, there are some names. So obviously, you get you get the pick of the litter. Is basically where we're at for for the Tigers, which is great, but it's almost it's oh, nerve wracking too. Very nerve wracking. So obviously the the big one that everybody's talking about, and we've been hearing this name since we sucked last year, and everybody's like, "Hey, we locked up first overall pick. Torkelson's our guy." Spencer Torkelson. He's the first baseman out of Arizona State. I feel like that's the name we've heard some from day one. It hasn't changed for the most part. So, I mean, where are we at with that? I, I, Let's let's dissect it a little bit more. All right, Di- Torkelson, great pick. He's a good bat, solid first baseman. He can play some left field as well. Um, definitely going to be a big leaguer. There's no question about that, right, Ryan? Yeah, his floor is. He has a very very high floor, right? Very high floor. Okay, yes. yeah. He, okay. He he has very um, high contact rate, so he's not one of these power hitters. That just misses the ball all the time, and his risk reward, you know, two fifty and home runs like a like a Davis or something like okay. that. Okay, yeah, uh, from the A's, Davis. Yeah. yeah, yep. So this guy Torkelson has crazy opposite field power. 
And that that's what I noticed right away with him. Like he can he can almost get beat with a fastball and yet hit it four hundred and fifty feet to right field for a home run. Okay, is that something that translates from metal to wood? I'm just curious. I know I know Absolutely. that that's just a big question, but like that seems like something that's very difficult. Does a lighter metal bat help that? Or is it just a natural thing, like if, something if, that you know how to do? If you're gonna be hitting bombs and the way he does with authority to the opposite field Generally, that that translates from uh, metal bat to wooden bat because that means that you're barreling up the ball perfectly. And and he's got he, he's a right-handed right-handed, right-handed hitter. hitter. Yep. Okay. And the other the other thing that I really really like about him is his swing is very simple. He has hardly any kind of leg kick. He is short to the ball with his hands, but then his extension through to the to the outside part of the zone is great. He could turn on the ball. He he's actually kind of like a Mike Trout where he can hit the low ball really really well and got a really good bat angle for that low ball. But I just see him dominating hitting to the opposite field. Which if you're going to come into a system around Miguel Cabrera, I don't care if he's he's at his prime or not. The guy, like if that's if you're gonna if you're trying to hit for power to the opposite field, the first guy that you bring up is Miguel Cabrera. So I I think it would be a great fit for the Tigers. And in my mind, Torkelson is the perfect impact bat that you would want in your system because that is what the Tigers are desperately needing right now. They they have some decent young players that can hit 300 maybe, but they're not going to drive in runs. They're not going to hit, you know, they're not going to get 3-4 RBIs on a regular basis and and you know, compete for 100 RBIs. This is the kind of hitter that might be end up being a 100 RBI every year 30 home run guy. He he looks like a smart hitter when you watch his highlights. He he kind of reminds me of Miguel Cabrera with his hands, when when he when he naturally pu- pulls in, when when you've got those those high tight fastballs coming in, he does have that smart batter IQ of what to do yeah. quickly. No, and that's and that's and that's a tribute to his like how short he is to the baseball. And if you're a baseball guy. Being short to the baseball is good because it gives you more time to see and recognize the pitches. And the other thing he does, because he has such limited movement, he stays on breaking balls and off-speed pitches really, really well. I mean, look, we're talking about the guy for the first overall pick. He's obviously extremely talented, but he, he's been overperforming since his freshman year in college. Like, he wasn't a huge prospect coming out of high school, but all he did as a, as a freshman at Arizona State is hit. And hit like crazy, like he not was, just power, but like oh, average. average and yeah, he, walking, he has a very good eye. What I hear, right? Very, very good eye. This guy's going to be uh, on base percentage machine, and and his pick, his pitch recognition, and his balance on off speed pitches is something you can't teach. Like that's something I never had. That's something that most people don't have. But he has like a, a natural instinct to not be afraid, and and you know what the the guy that is second on the the list, Austin Martin, is the third baseman from Vanderbilt. He has all of these same qualities. He has a little more noise to his swing, and like he's he moves around in in the box and stuff. But he has very very good balance, and he is a great hitter. The difference, I think, and the reason I think Torkelson is such a good pick here, the difference between the two players is Austin Martin does not have the upside that Torkelson has. He does not okay. have the raw power. He's a great hitter. And, and you know, coming from a guy who's always been the small guy on the team and, like, <laughs> thinks, like, oh, those power hitters are just kind of overrated. Like, look at look at us little guys. We're pretty <laughs> yeah. good. He The reality is he's 
I guess the best comparison I have to him is I I see him as a Dansby Swanson. Okay. Swanson was a dominant hitter in Talking college. about Austin Martin, correct? Austin Martin, yeah, yeah. Is a, Which, yeah. Is, is a great comparison to Dansby Swanson, meaning that he's he's really solid defensively. He's a really good athlete. He gets on base and he, and he, and he hits everything in college. But I think the metal bats impact his game and improve his game more than a wooden bat, you know, compared to the wooden bat, I guess, compared to uh, uh, Torkelson. Yeah, and I I've heard I've way. heard Torkelson already has has played in a lot of wood bat tournaments. I'm sure I'm sure Austin Martin has. Oh as yeah, well. these guys are Cape, like, Cape Cod. But veterans. it's not like that's that's nothing really new to these guys, right? Like it is. It just I, I feel like it, it's a league. Like baseball is a sport that you go from one bat to the next, right? Like, which is really rare. Like you don't go to a bigger field and and football you don't play yeah. on slippery or ice or like you know what i mean like and i like that's a major part of the game that switches but so basically these guys they they all just because they're hitting metal bats in college doesn't mean that they don't know how to hit a, yeah, a wood bat correct? absolutely okay. it's just a difficult it's a difficult comparison and, and the only reason i bring it up with the metal and wood is because dansby dansby swanson hit home runs in college too okay but, but it was more like an oops home run you know, right. like you you can get away with that in college every once in a while. Even though the wood the the metal bats these days are terrible. Like people probably argue with me, like they're terrible. They take you know distance off your game. Yeah, I get that, but it also if you get jammed, it still puts it over the shortstop's head. All right. You know, so your so your average might be inflated, even though your powers aren't not there. A guy this good in college, I'm talking about Austin Martin, should run into more than six home runs a season. Okay, and that and that's what he what he has like six. I think he had maybe like eight, so his power was increasing this year. Yeah, but a guy like Spencer Torkelson accidentally hits over twenty home runs in, yeah. a, in a college season. All right, so that that's the difference. I think we don't need athletes in the Tiger system. We need impact bats. Okay, and so the highest impact bat that we can go get that's who we need, and All that's right. Torkelson. Yeah, so I I and I hear you say that, and I, for me, like I I almost look at it the opposite, and I'm not trying to argue with you, tell you you're wrong, obviously, but. Like I look at a bat as something that you just go buy on a free agent market. When you have the Dansby spot Swansons or let's say a, I, I don't even I, I'm not gonna try to throw names out, but like you have a, a team that yeah Cassianos. Like you have these guys that are, whoa th- these guys can perform. They they're good. You, let's put them in the seven you know six seven eight spot. Let's go out and buy somebody that can just that we know is going to hit. Like the Prince Fielder, wake up the next morning and say, hey, I'm going to have eggs, toast, and a side of Prince Fielder and go buy it, basically, is what happened with the whole Illich thing. It's like, I feel like a first baseman is where I want to keep that open, personally. And I I, I don't know. I I feel like it's they're easier to purchase on the free agent market or trade for the when when the time is coming to need to win now, basically. The, the league has changed, though. You look at the top hitters in baseball right now, you have a whole bunch of shortstops. Some second basemen yeah, are creeping in there. That's true. Center fielders like Mike Trout and like these big-time athletes. You're not getting you're not getting like the big uh, first baseman like an Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera. You're not getting those guys right now through baseball. That's, that's not the popular pick. So I don't think... So would this be an unpopular pick then, taking a Torkelson over Austin Martin? Uh, if you're talking about overall impact to a game, I I don't think we have uh, a defensive issue in Detroit. We have a hitting issue. We have an overall talent, and baseball primarily is about hitting the baseball. If you can hit the ball, we're going to find a position. Miguel yeah. Cabrera has been living that way his whole life, you know, and he and he's one of the best right-handed hitters. He's never great defensively because of his athleticism. 
well, we can talk about the hands all we want, but like, you know, I mean, he's not the top of his game. He's not like a Nolan Arenado. But you find a spot for guys that can hit. All right. And so I think, in my mind, again, I think we need, we're missing that scary bat. We're missing that guy who puts a little bit of fear in that pitcher's mind, like a Chris Bryant. Like you always know where he is in the order. And then you, you pitch around his strengths. And we don't you have. build around his strengths, too. Like yeah. You build a lineup. And and, yeah. that, and actually, with the, cu- with the Cubs, if you think about the way they built their team, they bought their pitchers. Yeah. You know, they went out and got Lester. They went yeah. out and got some veterans, but they built around, you know, Chris Bryant came yeah. up. Schwarber. Schwarber. Uh, there was some other name. Uh, the shortstop. Baez. Javi uh, Baez yeah. came up through. I mean, like, a lot of their guys were, were position players that they had, that they groomed. Now, we kind of went the other way with pitchers, with the Tiger system. Yeah. But we have to add homegrown talent. Through the bat. I mean, the when bats. was the last true homegrown talent that the Tiger? I, I think Cassianos is probably the best example of, I of think someone so. that was pretty successful, and people would be very disappointed with what Cassianos did, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this guy is, his bat is that good, and we need that type of bat, is, is basically where, where we're at with this. Um, so, so the other angle you can look at it is okay, we're really rich in arms. Can the rich get richer here? Is that a better way to go? So um, there was also, I want to bring up uh, Nick Gonzalez. He's a second baseman out of New Mexico State. People are talking about him possibly being a second second overall pick, uh, but Austin Martin will probably just because he's he's been doing it longer. Um, so w- position player, we're going Torkelson. That's the, that's the right pick for the Tigers. Yeah, I so. Think now so. we basically got to go against Torkelson and a pitch, an arm, is where, what we're looking at. So... Uh, there, there's some names here. So, uh, Max Meyer, uh, Minnesota, and then Emerson Hancock out of Georgia, which are, you brought him up, uh, probably almost a year ago now on the podcast. I yeah, feel like I think I did. Uh, he was the first name thrown out yeah. there. Yeah. But then the one that you also brought up on, on a previous episode, we don't know what episode it was, probably maybe two months ago, three months ago, even before this all started. But Asa Lacey was one that, that caught your eye. Where where are you at with the arms? So let's, let's kind of figure out which arm would you take. I, I think we, we can cross Max Meyer out, right? Is yes. that safe to say? Yep. You're thinking Emerson Hancock, who's proven it time and time again already. He's had a very good career uh, compared to Ace Lacey, who's kind of coming more of an up-and-comer. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah. Uh, so I think Ace Lacey is the guy has so much more upside than Emerson Hancock. So Emerson Hancock was a phenom in high school. And he was he was a guy who was throwing 99, 100 miles an hour in high school with a curveball, with a changeup, and then just commanded everything. What's weird about a guy like this is he hasn't translated. He went to Georgia, a dominant school, baseball school. He, he has not translated into a dominant college pitcher. His numbers are great, but he's not striking out Guys like a Matt Manning, you know, like, you know, Matt Manning is known for in the Tiger system. He's known for the really high strikeout rate. That's the kind of swing and stuff, swing and miss kind of stuff that you want from a really high draft pick in a draft. And for some reason, Emerson Hancock has not been able to to have the swing and miss stuff. And he hasn't had a high strikeout rate. It's like one per inning in college. So how does that translate to better competition in the pros? If he's a one per inning guy or less, then you better be able to command. And and I mean he does have some, you know, command upside as well. But again, the the Tigers mo recently have been has been swing and miss, big time athletes, big bodies, and that's all what Asa Lacy is, a left handed pitcher out, or left handed pitcher out of Texas A and M. 
He is like two strikeouts per inning guy, lefty, hides the ball. Nobody can see it as it, you know, Hancock might throw just as hard, but for some reason hitters can see it out of his hand. Okay. And he might and that's the lefty righty thing, right? Yeah. Like yeah. It, it's just a style. Okay. So it's probably something to do with the advanced metrics like spin rates and, you know, uh, like how hard it, it is perceived or like a rising fastball or anything like that. So there's something to, to go along with that. But if you're going to go an arm, and this is actually something that I would love if the pitcher, if the Tigers went Ace of Lacey, but I don't think they will. I think they'll go back. You bat. think they're pretty much stuck on, on Torkelson? I do. I think they'll go with Torkelson. And if they do, if they pass on Lacey, and I'll get to this in a little bit, I think there are some options in later rounds right. that, that could fill the void and still be a high upside pitcher. A couple things that I did want to bring up. Um, so Keith Law, who who is obviously a big baseball name, on 97 won the ticket. So this is going to just – I'm going to try to read here and see how it goes. He said, personally, I would take Martin. So we're kind of taking a step back. Sorry about that. I meant to bring it up earlier. Uh, he's seen he's, he, he, I have seen both play. I think Martin has more upside. Definitely is going to play a more difficult position. I think he's going to end up hitting for average and a higher on-base percentage over time. I think we have a better sense of exactly what Torkelson will be, basically kind of like what you talked about with the with the low ceiling or sorry, the low floor. Like we know he's going to high be an floor. impact player. Yeah, sorry, a high floor. Yep. Thank you. Uh but could could uh Austin Martin be a little bit like could he surprise people and be the you know just a an athletic defensive player and almost good bat basically is, is kind of what he was going at. And I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't even try to go back to this. No, I think it's a good, I think it's worth bringing up because this is the difference in baseball. People think like if you get a great athlete that you can develop other stuff. Okay. But the way, the way I look at this and, and I probably did it in a really bad way. Did you want to bring up one other thing? Well, what I wanted to ask you is I, like I, I, I read this and I, and I've heard a lot about. Sorry, and we're we're kind of taking a step back with Torkelson, Austin Martin. But I, I, I feel like everybody's talked so negatively about Torkelson's athleticism because you're comparing him to 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 way other positions. Like you're talking about a shortstop or a third baseman, like up the middle guys compared to a corner guy. I feel like they're both so valuable, and they both have to be athletic. Like, is Torkelson not athletic? Like, when I when I think of a not like, they're they're talking about him as, as a non athletic first baseman. Blah blah blah. Like my brain goes to okay, he's big and fat and can barely move, and he's going to be a DH over the next three years. It, it, I feel like that's what I'm being fed constantly by by what I'm hearing. Is that that's not the case? Is well, that is that safe to say? No, he's a good. He's a really good athlete. He's a good athlete, and I yeah. feel like that's what people need to realize. It's like you're not just taking a bat. That is not what this pick is. Like he is a true baseball player. He has a. He's a. He has a high IQ in the in the batter's box. He's a good. He has good hands at first base, from what I've heard. He can play left field. Obviously, that's where you hide hide poor defenders. But if if he's average and I mean can't be any worse than Delman Young was, and what did he hit? <laughs> like, <laughs> we were okay so, with that one. Oh, let's see. That's a so, good. That's a good point because if you're if you get a guy like uh, Ronald Acuna who is just a freak athlete, one of the best young players in the game of baseball, and he's 21 years old, would you take him as a as a first baseman, or would you be like, no, nah, you know what, he plays first base, that's just not good enough. His bat, I'm gonna go with somebody like Dansby Swanson. No, are you kidding me? Yeah. You'd go with him every time. Exactly. You know that that makes no sense. That argument makes doesn't hold water. So. 
you would take the bat, you would take the talent, you'd take somebody who's talented enough to to sit on pitches and drive and runs. That's the name of the game, just you know, score. Yeah. So as I was listening to to Keith Law talk on ninety seven one the ticket, I was like, he's he's focused on war. I feel like, yeah, defensively, your war is going to skyrocket if you're a better defender than the the corner guy. Yeah, your war is going to look so much better. That's why Mike Trout, his war is that much higher than Miguel Cabrera's when they were going head-to-head for the MVP. It's like, yeah, of course, he's more athletic. He's doing more defensively. So, yeah, that war, quote-unquote, I, I I don't know how I feel about war yet, so I'm not going to get on that. But I do. <laughs> you know how you feel about war? Yeah, do we really want to bring it up? Yeah, sure, let's do it. So so, so let's well, focus. Mike let's Sorry, what? Well, I, I'm taking a step back here, but I think – some people get mixed up with athleticism and, and speed, like running speed, because I think that's what they were dogging Torkelson on, is he's not a fast base runner. It's I, I don't think that's the the right argument to have. I mean, you're, you're mixing up two completely different things. Well, it, it, position is the biggest thing, because are you going to invest a number one overall pick in a first baseman? But I would, but I would then argue: Do you th- not think Joey Votto has been valuable? Do you not think Miguel Paul Cabrera, Goldschmidt, Paul Goldschmidt, like these are big names that have Albert really, Pujols, yeah, huge, huge <laughs> names. Yeah. Like it is an important position. Why? Because they mash. Like, do, would you not want David Ortiz with the Red Sox? No, I'll pass on him. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't. I would, I would take him. So, but, but like you said, he's a bat, and he's still young, athletic, and he's a good defensive player. He, he, He's kind of rounding out exactly what the Tigers need. Anyways, let, let's move forward. Well, I, I want to bring up one last thing, and I know that I can go way too long. No, I, I like where we're sitting. You're so good. I think the the comparison that I made with Dansby Swanson, kind of, I wanted to get more into that. So Austin Martin, this is the the argument is between Spencer Torkelson, first baseman out of Arizona State, and Austin Martin, the third baseman out of Vanderbilt. Austin Martin. Uh, to me, this this I kind of think about this as like the Dansby Swanson Alex Bregman comparison okay. from a few years ago. Dansby Swanson was the number one overall pick. Alex Bregman was the number two. Who had the better numbers? Who had more home runs? Who actually produced more and earned the spot in Team USA when they were younger? Uh, Alex Bregman. So he was the guy who who earned it more. Dansby Swanson was the guy who probably projected as like, oh, he his swing is going to project to the next level. He might be like a little more naturally athletic. His swing looks great. You know, the eye test. Uh, Alex Bregman, man, a little bit awkward swing. Like nobody really knows how that's going to go. I don't know why he hits 30 home runs, but he does. But So we're probably going to not take that risk. <laughs> like that, if you yeah. look now, nobody in their right mind would take Dansby Swanson over Alex Bregman. Correct. You know, because it doesn't matter how they look. It doesn't matter, like, what kind of body they have. If they do it on the field, if they perform on the field and they put up numbers, that's what you need to worry about. And I think the Tigers lack power and, and, and any he kind has of it raw. impact raw bat power. in the middle yeah. of the yeah lineup, and that's, the, that's the, the hole that we need to fill right now. Yeah, and they've even talked about, like, if they take Torkelson, there's a really good chance he plays this year. If they play this wow. year, That'd be there is a really good chance like because there won't be any minors. They want to get this guy moving. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. Um, I, I didn't want to bring it. So this is kind of where we, we were before. I, I brought everybody back like six steps, and I apologize for that. But we got some more good information out of it too, so it was worth it. Um, so Kylie McDaniel, uh, ESPN, he, he reported 
in a recent mock draft that the Tigers will decide between Lacey and Torkelson. I feel like that's basically where, where I wanted to steer this conversation mm-hmm. is arm to dynamic bat. Every every Tigers fan knows that we're loaded in, in, in pitching and we're desperate for a bat. And I feel like, Ryan, you explained it perfectly in that way. But I don't want people to think that it doesn't mean taking an arm is a bad thing. Is that fair? Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. So so basically, I mean, I would be okay with taking Lacey or Hancock personally in, in this situation. I, so what I want to know from you, Ryan, is, is which one do you think is better? Obviously, Hancock was one that you brought up early. Ace Lacey was one that you brought up a little bit later, but the, you both you brought both of them up, and here they are, both projecting to be top five picks. So we we talked a little bit about lefty righty. Which one just gun? Uh, not gun to head. Gun um, to head. <laughs> gun to head. Who do you take here? I'm, I'm going. <laughs> Sorry, very I went intimidated there. right now. I went but... there. For the record, I do not have a gun, and it say, is not against Ryan. Sam. Jeez. Micah, why are you getting naked? <laughs> what do you, keep your clothes on, dude. <laughs> Trying. Office. Remember when they did yeah. that to Dwight? Sorry. Uh, Ace Lacy. Ace Lacy. That's what you, I'm going with. All right. Be, is it because of the lefty, like, long, lanky lefties are hard to find? Or so I, I love the lefty thing. And he's definitely got – if you watch him pitch, go, wa- go watch him pitch. There are plenty of YouTube videos with him. It. I don't understand how he gets the velocity that he gets because his hand looks like it's moving in slow motion. But something about his delivery obviously makes it difficult to hit, and I'm thinking it's some sort of spin rate thing. I don't know. Yeah. But hitters do not touch his fastballs, righties or lefties. And I don't think you can teach that. I think that's just a natural gift, and you take advantage of those gifts when you're given them. So in my mind, Lacey, and it's the same argument with Torkelson versus um, Austin, Martin. Austin Martin. I think the one who produces more – should be the one that you actually pick. So Hancock is like the the guy who has like the perfect ideal body, righty, very polished, has all the tools, but then he goes out there and he might underperform, underperform over and over and over and over. And you think, well, if he ever figures it out, well, no, this other guy, nobody can touch him. So in my mind, I was all about Everson, Emerson Hancock for a long time, but he just underwhelmed over and over. So I would I would steer more towards Asa Lacey. All right. So now the last thing I want to bring up – or. We'll see if it's the last thing I bring up. I have two thoughts that four more things. I've been I've been going going on in my head. I heard that Torkelson and Austin Martin are Scott Boris clients. Everyone knows Scott Boris who Scott Boris is as as an agent. He's he's tough to deal with. Mm -hmm. He had a very good relationship with the Tigers when it was Dave Dombrowski and Mike Illich because they were just like, hey, we're here to spend money. We're here to like we will pay you whatever you need to give us your put your client on our team. That is what they did. It has been way different since then. And I, I feel like the relationship was damaged. And and I know this is kind of tinfoil hatish because but but this is this is stuff that these organizations think of. Who they're gonna be dealing with for the bonus. I mean, is the, it, let's say you take Torkelson. Is he going to take up all of your bonus where you can't spend? Like, th- their money is so limited right now in this five-round draft. Like, will you be able to make picks in the fourth and fifth? I don't know. Like, does that scare you at all? Do you think that that would be like where Al Avila is just like, hey, it hasn't been good. Let's go with Asa Lacey. He's not connected to Scott Boris. We'll probably save some money this way. And we're still getting a, a really good arm. I don't think they're hinging their opinion on that, or the, or their pick. Sorry, I, I don't think they're going to hinge it on Scott Boris and his clients. Should they? Should they? 
I almost feel like it, it, it is important. The way that things are going on in this draft, it's like maybe that is something that should be taken in consideration because, like, I, like look, two years from now, I'm, I'm not worried about who the agent was when they were drafted. But with the way this thing's going and, like, the unknown of this year, it is everything's going on. It's like save money. Like, <laughs> any well, money you can. I know okay. they have the money, but. Well, two things. I think the way that uh... – this whole COVID thing has played out this year gives the organization more leverage than the players. So I don't think Scott Boris is as powerful as he's been able to be in the past. Second thing, I think a lot of the bad uh, blood between the Tigers and, and Scott Boris is because of Nick Castellanos. Yes. And I think that's a circumstance of Nick Castellanos. No, I think it's a circumstance of where the Tigers are in the rebuild because he got caught in one of the best organizations and franchises in the league and then going to absolute zero. And he was the last person, him and Cabrera, they were the last people on the team that were remaining that were any good, you know? So then that's super frustrating. He's going into his prime and then he's on the worst place team and he's got nobody around to protect him. And he's frustrated because he's hitting doubles. If they were winning tons <laughs> of games and he was getting credit for hitting doubles, he wouldn't have been yeah. mouthing off like that. So, I think I think it's just a circumstance of where they are. These guys know what they're getting into if they get drafted by the Tigers. They're in this to rebuild the, the franchise, jump into this talented crop of pitchers that they have, and make a difference in the franchise. So I don't think it really makes a difference because they're not expected to go to a team and win win the World Series the next time or you know the next season. All right. So here we are. What do you want to happen? What do you think's going to happen? Real quick, Micah. What do you think Alvio is going to do tomorrow? Um, I today, think, for yeah. the people listening today, right? Today or tomorrow? Uh, I I I <laughs> guess or Friday. <laughs> Which they already I, know who they. What picked. have they done? I, I, I don't see them like I don't see them diverting from the Torkelson thing. Right. Um, Does that I, sway what you want them to do? Would you prefer you, them to take my, Torkelson my, or my, go on? My gut early on. Said go pitcher, but I, I I could be easily sold on Torkelson for for a new a number of Ryan's reasons to All be right. honest. So I'm gonna go with my what I want to happen and what I think's gonna happen. So Ryan can end it with real knowledge and mm-hmm. not just speculation. It's still Love my it. opinion. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think they're gonna take Torkelson. I feel like we saw some reports come out that they might even be negotiating the contract already. We'll see. I think they take Torkelson. I think they should go arm. I really do. I think the rich should get richer in this arm situation. I feel like a arm in a draft, like a, a high-end arm prospect is shinier longer. And I feel like that's really important with this because as soon as, uh, let's say, Manning and Casey Mize work and Fajardo doesn't, well, th- you got to keep them still shiny and look new when you're looking to trade these guys. And look, I I might be stupid thinking three years from now this team's competing. I might be very stupid to think that, but I could see it happening. And I could see them spending money to to make that happen as well, where all of a sudden, let's say this draft pick right here is all about, okay, well, neither one of these guys, Torkson's not ready, Uh, Asa Lacey's not ready, but what can we get for them? I feel like you're going to get more for a long, lanky pitcher or a stud arm like Hancock that that has potential there in this trade, and I, I I'm only it's call me crazy, but I'm looking at this draft as like 
I want to take someone that's going to look really good on the trade market when we have multiple top five prospects in our system and bring in the missing piece to contend. So I think an arm is going to look better longer as a prospect, and that's where I, I would personally go. Ryan, tell me I'm wrong. I get it if I am, but please do. Well, okay, my gut says that I completely <laughs> agree with you. I love Asa Lacey in this. I think he's probably the best overall player in the draft, but you have to look at the complete draft. And, okay. I, think, and I think with the Tigers, they're not going to be able to get the impact bat that they need des- desperately. desperately. That is That is very important. They desperately need an impact bat in this draft to match up with their pitchers. They're not going to find that like they want in the second round. They could find some good talent, some really good guys with high upside, but they're not going to get the sure thing, the jump in in one or two year, uh, you know, plug and play starter. They're not going to find that outside of the first round. I don't think at least when I'm, when I'm looking at the talent. So, so if you did want to touch on on some second round guys, please, please do. I'm basically just giving you the floor of what you think is going to happen, what you want to see happen and touch on that if you want to. Okay. I have changed my mind on this. I think Asa Lacey is the person, the player that I want the most, but I think what makes the most sense overall for the Tigers is to go get the impact bat with Torkelson. And then in the second round, there are two players that I just want to bring. There are, there are a lot of pitchers. So the strength of the draft is the pitcher. Okay, college pitchers, so they're they're more ready. They could jump right in with these younger guys that the Tigers already have going through the system. Uh, and I just want to bring up a couple of guys' options that they have. Both left-handed pitchers. One is a lefty out of high school. He's six foot six. This is a risky pick. He's projected in the fifties. But if we get him, we could we could invest our second-round pick in this this guy. He has huge huge potential, but there's some knocks on him. He has injuries. So he just had uh, eight months removed from Tommy John. Okay. Uh, but he's a mid to high 90s from the left-handed side. Big curveball, swing and miss stuff, crazy prospect. Would probably, if he was healthy, would probably be a 10, top 10 pick or okay. top 15 talent. Something, sorry, I don't want to cut you off here, but that, like, he doesn't line up with the other pitchers that we're, that we're bringing up right now. He doesn't line up in that in that mold and that picture of, you know, the three-year, three to Eight years from now, team like really, but he'll fit in. But then he's also that shiny prize possession. And if you get him in the second round, and all of a sudden he's a top ten in Baseball America's uh, prospects, boom! That's when you can. That's when that pick became truly valuable. Exactly. Is that fair? Yeah. And Tarek Skubal, you know the guy, the the prospect that came out of nowhere this last eighth round pick, I think we eighth or tenth or something. Yeah. And now anybody would give up a ton of a ton of talent for this guy because. He projects, you know, he looks good. Like people want him. He's the shiny new toy. So, it, yeah, going to get a high end type of guy like that in, in a riskier pick for a second round in this kind of a draft, to me, it's a no brainer. I think that's that's a great option. The other one is a guy, if somebody slips, like a guy like Jared Schuster, left handed pitcher out of Wake Forest, he's hit over 97, 98, 97 this year for the first time as a lefty. And he, he has, uh, Strikeout numbers like Asa Lacey, actually, too. He has, like, 50 strikeouts in 23 innings or something okay. crazy. Yeah. So that's another guy that I think has the stuff, but then also has the production to back it up. They could go multiple ways. I think they should go bat and then pitcher. If they switch it around, I'd be okay because I think Asa Lacey's a stud. Yeah. But I, for what's best for the organization, I think they should stick to the, the bat then pitcher.
We were planning on doing this last week when it was announced that the Red Wings season was officially done, but we ran out of time, so we're going to do it this week. We have a honeydew list for Steve Eiserman in his offseason here. There's a lot to it's do. Lot. There is a lot going on here, and he already he kind of already did the first thing. So the first thing on, on my list is figure out what you're doing at the coach. He or with the coach, he decided yeah, he's going to hold on to Blashill instead of hiring a new coach. I'm 100% okay with it. I think we already kicked, beat mm-hmm. that dead horse to a pulp. I'm not going to go in on that any farther. I'm okay with it. I get it. It makes sense. Number two, and this is completely out of Steve Eisenman's hands, but if this dude has anything that's brought him luck in his life, he needs to bring that thing to the stinking NHL, NHL draft lottery and win this stinking lottery because you got to get – Lafreniere, like that—that that is the key here. Is win the lottery and get this dude. He's—he's he's transcendent. He's amazing. You gotta get him. So find a way to do that, Eisman, and I'm happy. But you gotta have a success. So the third thing on on the honeydew list, you have a have to have a successful draft. So first round pick, obviously huge, but three second round picks in two. Third round picks are massive in this draft right here. And I'm not saying it's like this deep draft. I don't know if it's a really deep draft. But what I know is hitting really well on your second and third round picks is what Eiserman did with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And that's exactly what he needs to do right here, right now. Especially if you don't win the lottery. You're not going to get that high-end talent guy. And I'm sorry, I'm just going to kind of spew out here. This is just, These are just thoughts. These are just things that, I, that go through my head that I'm going to try to put into yours and Hopefully you guys think of it as the, the gospel here. He, he proved it with Lightning. He got value with his second and third round picks. Like, true value. He had Hedman, I, I believe, was a late round pick. And, I'm and, uh, oh my gosh, the goal scorer. Completely, Kucherov? Yeah, Kucherov. He was a, a, a second or third round pick. Mm-hmm. That's what it means. You're getting three or four true valuable hockey players that know how to play the game. That That's exactly how you build a... NHL roster is by hitting on these picks and having a vision for what you want this team to be. So it, being realistic, would you be fine if we hit on two of the second rounders and one of the third rounder, or is that not good enough? I would. All right. If you could tell me hit on two second round and one third or win the lottery, I would choose the second and third round guys. Truly hitting on these guys and and making a true impact on the NHL roster, that's where you'll get it. That's how you build a team. I'm not saying I would ch- take second-round picks and third-round picks over Lafayette. I, I get it. Right. But what I'm saying is they are just as valuable. As far as value goes. Yes. If, yep. if you miss on those picks, Lafayette is not going to do squat for you. He's not because you don't have the second or third-round picks that are going to be right there with him. That is so important on an NHL roster. Yeah. Very, very important. Yes. Speaking about how valuable value is in the NHL. What's the cap at? Because the, I, I don't the, I don't think people understand how low the cap is in the NHL. Like the salary cap? Yes. I want to say it's is it 84 it? million? I I thought it was right around 83. Go to capfriendly.com when you get a chance Ryan and and, and tell me, but I yeah, it, I think it went up to 84. I want to say, but but it hasn't come out for what it's going to be next year. I think that might, right. I think eighty four might have been a projection, but I'm sure that projection's gone to crap since. Um, but I'm sure that has opened some eyes to some of the listeners because that's a low salary cap compared to 
a lot of the other leagues. Oh, it definitely the, is. The current salary cap is $81.5 million. Okay. And it was projected to go at 84, I, I believe. I thought it was supposed to be like 84 and a it half. It was supposed to be 83 million, 1.5 million lower than the projected. Okay. All right. And and who knows at this point? They I mean, with everything going on with the COVID, like I I don't know if that's up to date of what what they're like since all of this happened, but I mean, that could just make it flatline where it's at now. I don't think they would go down by any means, but um, that'll be interesting. But I, I think that's, that is a key, and I completely trust Eisman. This is exactly why we were excited when Eisman came in because yep. he proved that he knew how to build a team in, with the mid-round picks, and he has collected a lot of mid-round picks. Whether he makes these picks or if he uses them to move up and get the player he wants to make sure he hits on a second-round pick, and not worry about a third, third round pick or whatever it is, wherever we're sitting at. Okay, it's but okay. I, I no, sorry to cut jump, you off, no, but like good. we we were talking before we started this segment, and you brought up that I don't think they. It doesn't matter if they win the draft or if they get the number one overall pick. Lafreniere, I don't know if I said that right, but he's he's the the guy that everybody wants. But you're like, it is not about that. If they get the second, if they get the third, you still have to hit on those other picks, but. How big of a difference is it really between the number one and number two pick? Because I, I just am watching some highlights between Lafreniere. Lafreniere, that's Lafreniere, how I say it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just and, and then number two is Byfield. Yep, Quentin Byfield. So my, I'll give my non-NHL understanding of both of them. It looks to me like Lafreniere is a master vision, seeing the whole ice and just knows exactly where people are and is a playmaker no matter what. Like He's not going to necessarily look to score all the time, but he's going to see the ice and and kind of be the director of everything and then put everybody in the right space and spot to then score, right? Yeah, yeah, I I would say that that's definitely fair. And and Lafreniere is definitely the better better prospect. There's no question who everybody would take. I, I get it. If you get the first overall pick, you take him. I'm not saying, like, take Byfield over him or anything like that. And I'm not saying I'd be happy if we don't win the lottery. But what I'm saying is is these type of players are not the be-all, end-all in the NHL. I, I know everybody likes when you have the Connor McDavid, the Sidney Crosby and stuff. But, look, Connor McDavid hasn't gone on a playoff run. Sidney Crosby wasn't anything until they started building a true team around him and started losing the, the dead weight that, was already on the roster. Like that's the key in in hitting on multiple first. They they had uh, Mark Andre Fleury, or he was a first overall pick, I, I believe. Okay, well, without him, would you have won a cup? Probably not. Right. And, and so I, it's like it, it's not just about hitting on this draft. It's about hitting on many many picks. Yeah, but if you're that's talk, the key. But here. if you're talking about the opportunity that's realistic right now, like that's the player they could have versus. Quentin Byfield, who to me looks like the all-tools kind of guy. Like, he's got speed, he scores like crazy, but he d- he's not the guy that sets everybody else up. What are what are the Red Wings lacking? Is it just everything completely, or would a guy like Lafreniere make that big of a difference and say, yeah, I mean, he would make everybody else, all those other young guys that the, that the Red Wings have, would he make all of them better? I, I think we're lacking a serious or major goal scorer. Y- you can... Correct me if I'm wrong, but we, we we talked about this months earlier about when was the last time we had someone over 40 goals? I think Hoso was the last one to hit 40. Right. And, and, and I get what Ryan's saying about Byfield maybe scoring goals, but at that point, 
when you look at Lafreniere, I mean, would you agree that he's kind of that that type of player, kind of directing people? And if that's the case, is he only as good as the people around him let him be? I mean, is is Ho- it- hockey in general is your only your team's only as good as is the people around you more than anything. You can huh. have the best player on the ice, but he's he's still only going to play eighteen minutes of a sixty minute game. Right and 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 guess what he he can't have the puck on his stick. It's not about having like that 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 part of the NHL is over. Like yeah, you can have a guy that can have the puck on his stick for three seconds and look really good doing it, but more times than not, you're, you're the puck's on your stick for less than a second. And it's about where that second that other guy's going next to you. So and I think it is important to have somebody that that makes everybody else around you better. But I mean, you also got to have the goal scorer. I guess I, I, I missed the question, but I mean. There's so many ways to build a hockey team. Like there are people win the cup without by or without a Lafreniere talent every single year, constantly. Right, but but the goal is not to win just one like every five to ten years, like like the I, Blues, right? Because I, I don't think the Blues were on their way to repeating. Do you? Yeah, they were. They were. They were. I would have put my money on them. Really, this mm-hmm. year. I probably would have taken took took Boston over them, but I I think the Blues were the type of team that would have gotten hot at the right time. But they were also, I mean, they were top of the league. I just don't see them as like one of those dynasty type teams, like a like but, a Chicago back in the day, or like a Pittsburgh, or like a Detroit. Like that that that's not the goal. Well, to, I would say that they're at the 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 end of their their run. Like they they missed out on two years, I believe, that they could have been that. And and they're basically on the back end of it, where they have probably two or three more years that they're going to be one of the top teams in the NHL. Okay, but isn't that what you want to build for? So I mean, like, yeah. And and who is their Lafreniere? They don't have anybody. Their best player is uh, holy smokes, what is his name? Uh, the the centerman, Riley? Ryan Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah, nowhere near of of that caliber of player. He was probably a, a mid-round pick. I, I I don't have all that in front of me, right. but he's their best player. He is what led them to the Stanley Cup, along with Jordan Binnington. But it's like that—that that is the prototype. Like that is I, who I would personally go for. And I'm not again. I'm, I feel like we've turned this argument. Like I'm not saying I would wouldn't want Lafreniere. I'm just saying it's not the be all end all that everybody thinks it is in this type of rebuild because it's not about quality. It's about quantity. That's what this this draft needs to be is hitting on quantity and and obviously you're going to get quality there but it doesn't have to be the highest of quality you know what i'm saying but how sick would it be to get locked it would be very sick trust me exactly and And yes that would be perfect storm but i'm what i'm saying is losing the lottery is not the end-all be-all of this draft is basically where i'm at i think this comes down to more than anything sam is not I don't know. You're not you're not putting all your eggs in one basket. So you're not saying like Eidsman needs this guy to succeed. You're just like, no, no, no. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that no matter what, I trust Eidsman. He's my guy. He will build the team. However, the the chips fall in in his lap, like he's gonna take advantage of it. That's exactly what I'm saying. And I feel like he has made that like the statements he makes is he's like, look, we're gonna get a quality player in the top four. We will get a quality player. We're gonna get a player that works for us. He's said that over and over again. And I know he's protecting himself, so he's not like, hey, we lost Lafreniere. We're the sky is falling. Anything like that. But like, dude, this guy has a vision, and he, he has multiple visions. He knows that he can go down any road, any path. And I don't know. I again, I would take Lafreniere. I want Lafreniere. That's who I. I want to win the lottery. I want that to happen. But 
it's not the be all end all either. It's it is truly not. No, so, I, okay. So that's the draft part of the honeydew list, right? I yes. Mean, I mean, yeah. Please win the lottery. Well, do you have do you have like people but in the second round or third round that you personally? It's it's not like? necessarily like I mean, not really. I I don't get too geeky into it, but I know that there's a lot of quality, and I know that taking the right guy here and there, like, it is how you do. I don't know the names. They're, like, it's way different than any any other league. It's not college football that we all know the names. It's not college baseball where I mean you get the college guys, but then you also have the the high school guys. Like it's a mix, and that that gets confusing. But you have you have high school, you have juniors, you have you have a Quebec major junior, you have the OHL, you have the yeah, like how do you NAHL. Yeah. It is very difficult to to follow, and and I I just personally I don't get caught down those rabbit holes to to fall into it because I mean. You can also look at the highlight tapes of these guys, and it's like, wow, they look so good. Well, yeah, they're playing against the worst team in the Quebec Major Junior that can't play defense anyways. So what? who are they playing against? That's what I look at. It's it's not necessarily, well, look look at this amazing pass. Well, it's like, yeah, I could do that in beer leagues, but look who I'm playing against. I can make that same stinking pass. <laughs> and I didn't see everything that developed to, to make that thing happen. It, like, it is a full-on... What do they do with their eighteen to twenty-two minutes that they play per game? It's I wanna, not. I want to join your beer league one time. One time, I could I could and, get you to you score, score within me. the first three games, one hundred percent. I I want in on that. That'd be a fun fun that, little bet. <laughs> that'd be tr- yeah. <laughs> There'd have to be a bet involved somehow. Yeah, we. Gotta but do. I, but I, no, my, my main not point, against each other though. We're yeah, on the same I team. I don't know how it ends up. Right. Yeah. I could get you a goal uh, within three games. Byfield though, I just saw a distinct difference between Byfield and Lafreniere looking at the tape. They have a different style of play, and it was very, very obvious. And it looked to me like there was a creator, and then there was a finisher. Red Wings need both, because they don't have any. There you go. Both <laughs> yeah, help. We need a lot. All right, so I think the real nuts and bolts of making the draft successful is not about winning the lottery. It's about hitting on your other five picks that you have in the second and third round. That is... Massive, massive, massive for this five, for this off season. Five picks, like the number that Detroit Tigers. Yeah, have. so yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> yeah, how funny is that? Sorry. All right, the next thing on the honey do list is re-sign Mantha. Uh, he's a restricted free agent and is currently getting paid three point three million dollars per season. I think he, I think he's a key part to this rebuild. Um, but at, at what length and what cost it is really the key here. Um, when healthy, I mean, he, he's a power forward that can simply dominate a game. He, he, he proved it time and time again. Um, but, but I think when you're saying the key here is, is when healthy, that is a, I mean, that's a, a big, big question that, that falls in line with this. Um, I personally would like to see uh, a little more money uh, for, for a shorter-term contract. That, that's what I want Eiserman to do with him. Maybe another bridge type deal. I don't know if he would be going for it. I mean, this is their. He's at the. He's at the key here or the key age where it's like this is when he's supposed to be getting his big deal. Right. I don't think he quite deserves it, but will Eisenman give him a, a semi big deal? That that's going to be the key. Um, I would love to see two two to three years for four four and a half million dollars. Um, I mean, his production is, is actually really good. Uh, so 260 games played, he has 84 goals, 89 assists, with 173 points. Uh, which is a .665 points per game. Love that. And he's gritty. He's big. He's strong. He'll fight. I know people don't like when he fights because he breaks his hand and, and misses 
uh, a couple weeks, but I'm okay when, with it. When healthy, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You but you could fight when healthy. Look, he, he he's still you still look at him and he still seems a little immature in in his body, and I feel like he could put on more muscle, more strength, like just turn into a man here in the next couple of years and could be a dominant force in the NHL. So I don't want to lose him, but I also don't want to get caught, you know, with our pants down paying a guy I, a lot of money that he doesn't deserve. So it, it's personally, tough. personally, I think you have to choose some returners, some some people that you're going to like pay while all these young guys are coming up. Mm-hmm. And you have to decide what veterans on our team right now are going to be the guy to bridge that gap. Yeah. You know, and if it, it's and if it's Larkin and Mantha, then you just make that decision and those are those are our guys that are going to transition us with all the young talent into the future and that's what we're going to pay right now. When those contracts are up, we'll make our decision the next time. There's always somebody else coming. But we have but there's we have always two, another three free years, agent right? coming up. Yeah. yeah. So and, and the, what I thought was kind of crazy. I don't follow hockey like I should, but Mantha's 25 years old. Yeah. He could be good for a long time. Yeah, he's got another you know, eight to ten years I would say, of, of being a high-quality player because yeah. he has the size and the strength, and he can skate. He's a good skater. He's he's not going to be a, a strong defensive forward or anything like that, but he is. he could easily put up 40 goals in this league um, with the right guys around him. So to me, that seems like don't give up on a guy like that. You pay a guy like that to then transition your organization into a winning franchise. Completely agree. And then, and then at the point when his contract is expiring and he's 30 years old and you're like deciding what to do with him, you can either decide to pay him because he's turned into the best player in, in the league. Yeah, the next Marion Hosa type player. Yeah, or you just be like, okay, you're gone. We're going to have somebody else coming up. Yeah, I, I yeah. I completely agree with you. I want to see him resign. I think that's really important to this offseason. The next guy that I want to see resign is Tyler Bertuzzi. He's also an unrestricted free agent. For the people that don't know what an unrestricted free agent is, is obviously you're a free agent, you're renegotiating the contract, but if, let's say, the Columbus Blue Jackets offer you a a sheet for, you know, let's say $8 million for six years, or six years, $8 million per year, the Red Wings have a chance to match it, or they can say, oh, no, he's all yours, basically. So the Red Wings always have are in control of that and and have the leverage, basically. They say he's restricted or unrestricted? You said They're restricted. Did I say unrestricted? You did, yeah. They are both restricted free agents. I apologize. No, you're it, good. It, um, yeah, to go along with that, restricted, meaning that uh, basically the Red Wings are free to see what the, the value is. Is on the open on the market, market of that yeah. person, and then they can decide to pay that value or or not pay him, let him go. Yep, exactly. So uh, Bertuzzi, restricted free agent, he's getting paid one point four million dollars, and I think he deserves a decent raise, um, but probably more on a short term deal. Again, I, it'll be really interesting to see how Eisenman handles these two guys. I th- and, and you could throw in Robbie Fabry into that same that same boat. We'll get into him a little bit later. He's mm-hmm. a little bit down on the honey do list, but uh, he is on it. But like. Tyler Bertuzzi is is a, a thinker. He he's the guy that you you need grinding. But but right now he he's right now he he's probably a top three forward on this team. That's not the type of player you want to be a top three forward, and it's also not the guy that you want to be a top nine forward that you're paying top three forward money. So it, it's a really weird situation here with with Bertuzzi because he obviously deserves a raise, but it's still unknown what kind of value he brings to a successful truly contending hockey team is basically where I'm at. I'm not saying right. I don't like him. I'm not saying he's not valuable. What I'm saying is how valuable is he on the team that we want to see two, three years from now? That's, I think, the question. And I'm, I'm curious to how Eisenman's going to handle 
um, these two guys. Um, I'd like to see Bertuzzi kind of take Double A's money, who who was getting paid. uh, He was at three million dollars, but three point five, like four for three years, is kind of what I'm seeing. What I would like to see. He deserves a mat like so going from one point four to let's say four million, that that's a really good raise. You're making him happy there. Make it a little more short term so he can right. hit another deal or two. Like that's what I think Eisenman should do. It might look like crazy that we're paying this guy four million dollars, but I mean three years from now it, it could be a discount, but it also could be an expiring contract that we're like, all right, cool, we have four more million dollars to spend. I so, think I think short term something like that would be good. I mean, he's your leading goal scorer this year, and he's your second points getter. I mean, he he deserves a raise. But that's a problem, and I I, and this I don't want to get into it. But when a Tyler Bertuzzi type player is your leading goal scorer and one of your highest point getters, that is a massive problem well, for yeah. the for the whole like vision of what you just put on the ice. That is mm-hmm. the key to this this issue of this team. But right. if, but if you get talent around a guy like this. Yeah, he becomes even more valuable. Yeah, because team, right? because he's all of a sudden on a third line doing what he's doing. He has the ability to play on a on a first line and a second line, but when he can play on a third line and be going against another third line, he's gonna look like an he's gonna look like a stud. And that's where it, like, give the guy his money now and let's let's see what can happen. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see yep. him get a good raise. Does he fight yeah. too? Uh, he's scrappy. He's he very scrappy. he will fight. I, I he's not a like. I've seen like three fights, like highlights of his fights, and it's, it's those are probably like AHL. He fought a lot more in the AHL. Oh, these, these is are, it? Yeah, Red Wings. The Red Wings. So I mean, he he Decent will fight. uppercuts in there. Yeah, yeah. He's he's, he's a scrappy dude. He's kind of got a no filter type attitude when he's on the ice. Yeah. So but he's so, smart. So the next thing on the honey do list for Eisenman <laughs> is, um, and this might be a very unpopular opinion here, but I say go after a backup goalie, not a starting goalie a backup goalie that can kind of bridge this gap here. So this one, I get a little nerdy here mm-hmm. the best I can. But, you know, I, I think you find a backup goalie for Bernier. So I think Bernier is good enough uh, where, where where this organization is at. You're not going to go into next year and win. I, I really don't believe that. And and I personally just don't want to see Eisman go out and overspend for a goalie to become a starter and no. be a starter on a, on a just a bad what? team. They're going to be a bad team right. still. What would like, be the point? Don't, don't go get Holtby. Don't. Don't spend money on Markstrom or Laner. Like, just no, just bring in somebody else. I don't care how you do it. Like, th- there's a couple of names that one that really stands out to me is uh, th- he's in the Coyotes organization, a- Aiden Hill. I've been looking at this guy for the last couple of years. He- he's really developing pretty well, and he- he's gotten a taste of the NHL. But he's behind a couple goalies that that are young in a Coyotes organization organization that aren't that isn't going to. You know they, they've been aggressive. They're they're trying to go on a nice playoff run and get some excitement in Arizona. So if you can trade for this goalie, uh, so he he's a restricted free agent. So he's got to get a deal. He it probably won't be a two way deal. He's too good for that. But the dude's twenty four years old. He's six six. Um, you may have to overpay him a little bit in in trade trade wise or or even money wise to make this happen. But this is a high upside guy that that could click once he gets the playing time and could be the missing piece in this rebuild because look we don't have a goalie coming up we're, we're I don't even know where the next goalie is coming going to come from it is unbelievable Larson was supposed to be the guy he got sent down the East Coast because he struggled in in GR man I, I'm nervous about that uh, is he the next Patterson I, I have no idea but I mean. 
bring this guy in that's shown that he can play in the NHL already, and there's your your building block in net. It's amazing because at one point in the last couple of years, our our goalie situation looked like it was the least of our worries. Yeah, it but, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, but but we're not a goalie away. That's where I'm I'm really leaning on. No, it's like, we're not. We're nowhere near a goalie away from winning. We're a lot and, away. Yeah, we're a lot away from winning, and that's why you don't go out and spend money. Just no. just bring in somebody to, huh. to fill the playing time, and you never know when you're going to click on someone. You could get someone in the second-round pick or second-round draft that all of a sudden just develops really well and becomes your goalie of the future. I get, but it I would, really like the Aiden Hill guy. Yeah, I, I get it would be a warm and fuzzy feeling for everyone going out and spending big money that we really shouldn't be spending at this point because we don't have a whole lot of it to spend. And you're just going to really just – you're going to really we, put a crutch on this you're not gonna team. Win, you're not going to win either way. So why no. spend exactly. money on that? Like yep. build, build your the core of your team and then bring in the goalie when it's time. Yep, so, th- so that's where I go into next on my list is so you bring in a goalie that can be cheap, backup, possibly a goalie of the future, maybe a guy that's just looking for a paycheck and fill a role. I, d- I don't really care. Bernier could also be flipped at the deadline if you have a, a couple goalies that can kind of fill the role like that. That would be a possible possibility, um, assuming he does well. But this is where I really want to see him spend money. Is I want to bring in a veteran defenseman. I'm okay with overpaying for a defenseman because our defensive core is so young and so up and coming. It's like okay, we got to have somebody on there to, to to you know make these guys understand what being a defense. Defenseman in the NHL is about. It's not about skating the puck. It's not about it's finding your role, finding out what you can do, but first worrying about the defensive zone. I, I feel like that's very important, and I, that's where I want to see the money being spent. The, the there's not a lot of defensemen um, on the roster currently. We have some young guys that could come up potentially, but I don't know if they're ready. So go out and spend and get Alex Petrangelo or even a Tory Krug, who's a little bit younger of a guy. Who, who played or he grew up in, in the state of Michigan. Like, go overpay for these guys. Let's start building the defensive core with money and then let these younger forwards de- develop. You know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying here? So, okay, here's, here's a question on that because you're looking at big money. Like, you're, you're looking at the cap hit for, like, uh, you know, I Petrangelo. Know, yeah, Petrangelo. 6.5. Six That's what he's million? getting paid currently. Yeah. Okay, so if you go, let's just say you go overpay for one of these good uh, defensemen. Do you think that really makes a difference for your young guys to learn from somebody like that? And and how are they learning? Are they learning by watching these guys, or are they learning by getting told the right instruction? Because if they're getting ro- told the right instruction, could you underpay for a veteran? to come in and just be like a mentor to them? Or do they actually need to see it on the ice? I think they need to see it. So, mm-hmm. I, I I mean, look, we're we're 30s. So these we're, we're talking about 23 to 24-year-old guys that are, you know, worried about <laughs> a lot of other things, but also <laughs> earning a paycheck. But it's like I would rather see a guy that, that is going to come in there and demand the locker room. And, like, yeah. this is how we do it. Like, Alex Petrangelo, I think it would be – Perfect because he's won a cup, so he won a cup with the Blues last year. He he could come in and be your captain. I know they talked about naming captain. He he could come in and be named captain on day one and be like, hey, this is how we do it, guys, and teach these guys how to be professional, but probably still have a dang good time doing it. I okay, I I like your response because in my mind I'm like we're not even close to to winning right now. So why would you overpay for a defenseman to do that? But if you're teaching these guys like this is the way 
that this organization is run. This is how you build a winning franchise. And yeah. it's more of a locker room presence thing. And then if you're a young guy and you hear a, an older guy with, who has no game left saying that stuff, you probably don't respect it very much. But if you yeah. get somebody who Who's, still is at the top of their game yeah. or, at least, or at least like maybe an all-star level type of guy – then I it would go farther, you, right? Yeah. So, you are so let's also say you purchasing leadership is what yeah, you're purchasing. Exactly, and that is massive. Well, when you're rebuilding, it is huge. So let's say you go out and, and pay Alex Petrangelo, you know, let's say a, a six year deal. So he's 30 years old right now. You're gonna overpay for him for the first two years. Let's say it looks like a waste of money because you're struggling still. Mm-hmm. Well, year three, four, and five when let's say. Eisman hits on this draft the way that he's supposed to think thanks to my honey do list. I mean, that all of a sudden looks like you're underpaying your true leader of this team and someone that's still playing dang good hockey. Like 34 as a defenseman is not old. It's not. Especially when you have a ton of experience winning a cup. Like that's exactly what we will need that year. So why not have it be a, a, a steady voice from when these kids were com- getting called up for eight to nine games per year. Like, this is the guy that they look to today and the guy that they're going to be looking to and trusting when this team's ready to su- succeed. Mm-hmm. I, lo- I really like that. Thank you. You've convinced me 100%. Like, <laughs> let's go get a defenseman. So let's go pay a crazy amount of money for him. If you don't do it, I get why you're not going to spend money. But if you're going to spend money on something, defensive leadership is where to go. Is the way to go. I'd be okay with Tory Krug. I don't see him as the leader that that Petrangelo, even Kevin Shattenkirk. I know is. You know, I don't want to bring him up really, mm-hmm. but Petrangelo. Like if you can somehow convince him to leave St. Louis, please make sure he plays for St. Louis. I feel like I've said that too many times, and I'm. <laughs> this was this was written and noted a couple weeks ago, so I just want to make sure I I remember correctly. Um, but dude. This is the perfect guy to go spend money on and make your next leader. I don't want to say captain because I do think that they're going to just give it to Larkin, unfortunately. But this is a guy that you could spend money on and give the C day one, and people would understand it. I'm right. So he's the captain of St. Louis. So that's exactly where Cap- my brain was captain going. Captain of St. Louis. Yes. So that's where I would, lo- I would love to see that money get spent. And honestly, do it. sign two of these guys. Make Petrangelo the, the focal point, but then also bring in another young defenseman. And cider is supposed to be good, so, right? Yeah, exactly. Cider or cider? Cider. Cider. Yeah. Cider is supposed to be pretty good. Exactly. I watched, I watched his highlights this, this week. I thought Did you guys would be proud of me. Yeah. Nice. Oh, nice. All right, so next on my list is re-sign Robbie Fabry. I, I really like what he did. Um, yeah, he, he was a – I mean, he traded Jacob De La Rose for this guy, and he became a, a – a stud on a bad team, I guess you could say. He was probably one of the best players at most game in and game out. I think Larkin is Fabry? yeah. Fabry was he he was noticeable, and I feel like if you can find a way to resign this guy, if he's happy there, perfect. He fits right in line with the rebuild, and you didn't have to develop this guy either. So I love Fabry, and I think he's important, and I think you could turn him into a trade chip if you know if if the money's right and he and he produces the way he could. How did De La Rose do? Oh, dude, I don't even know if he's in the league right now. Honestly, so it's a good trade. <laughs> it was a steal. Well, it I think was this a is Iserman's most notable transaction thus far. Yeah, because he let that he he dropped the ball with that goalie. I can't remember his name, but I'm not happy about that one. Mm, All right, from so Winnipeg. The, yes. So the last. So there's two more things on the honey do list. 
what I want to see is a trade or a buyout of bad contract or two. Advocator, Helen Nielsen are the names that come to mind. You're overpaying for these guys and what they do. He knows it. I know it. They know it. It's not going to be a pretty deal. You're not going to get something to be like, hey, well, how about Abdulkader for our dry cycle? No, that's not going to happen. For it's basically just going to be a salary dump and just find a way to make it happen. I just want to see these guys off the roster. That is really the biggest thing. One of one or two of these guys should be off the roster. Mm-hmm. Helm is expiring, I think, at the end of the year, so I'm not, I, I wouldn't put him on it. But Abdelkader and Nielsen are more long-term that I would love to see just Find a way to buy him out and save some money and open up a roster spot. Last thing, continue to be patient. It's going to be a long journey. We're still two or three years away from contending, and we all know it. We're okay with it. Eisenman, you don't need to change everything. Like, don't – I don't know. We know that it takes a lot. We love you. We love you. We trust you. (laughs) And we'll see you in three years. If not sooner. All right, guys. I can handle both. Sam was all worried about me doing the music, plus plus the microphone. And I'm not good at letting people just I know just take it take over. We got it. But <laughs> but here's the thing: we're done with the episode at this point. But before we finish and before we do beer grades, we're gonna be doing. I just I want to talk about DeHops a little bit. So DeHops is fully open at this point, right? Can I get confirmation on that, Micah? I don't know. Can't confirm that for you, but I'm sure they are. I threw that to you because you went on a date night last week to the hops. Well, that was unofficial. They certainly were not open like they're open now, I bet. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Sorry. Anyways, the hops, guys. <laughs> it was after they announced it, though. It was after they announced it. The hops is back to normal hours. Uh, this is the perfect time to go support them. Please go to the hops. Drink their great beer if you haven't already. You will enjoy the beer. They have so many great options, and you really can't go wrong. Right? No, you're not going to go wrong. Yeah, and, and they're—I don't know if they're up with their with their food quite yet, but when they do, Taco Tuesdays take advantage of it. By Tuesday, they should be up and running. Um, you know, go support these local breweries. Go support the local, like not even to hops, just to hops and everybody else in the, in the area. Everybody, these guys need as much support as we can give them at this point. Yep. Uh, they have great staff, you know, $1 off crawlers, $3 off growlers, uh, if you mentioned State of My Sports. And, you know, let's go support them, Michigan-based. I don't I, – I feel like I'm failing you at this point, Sam, but, like, I'm stumbling through it. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm going to pass it on to you. All right, Micah. I'm going to pass it on to you to give us a beer grade. Oh, hey. So uh, – I want to remind everyone that tonight I'm drinking from Broadleaf Brewing. It's called Paradise Mutation. What an odd name, but it's a sour IPA. Uh, Cool can, and I'm going to go with an 8.2 tonight. It was actually really, really good. That's good. Nice. It was was a really good sour, a little bit of IPA. It wasn't wasn't too weird, but, I mean, I don't know what they have in there because it doesn't really say anything on the can. So I'd be interested to kind of learn about it some somehow, some way. So. so, so what were the two flavors that we were talking about earlier? Not necessarily flavors, but one was like um, tart and sour. There you go, tart and sour. So, what would you say this is more? Is it more sour? It's definitely sour. Yep. Over tart. Yes. Yep. 
All right, because sour to me is more like a flavor of something. Like I, I'm thinking of like sour gum and all the like little sweet candies. tarts. Remember yeah. sweet tarts? Well, tart is more of like an aftertaste or like the way it makes your mouth feel in the end, right? <laughs> Sorry. Just kind of jumped in there. Well, yeah, you were completely wrong, but I get what you're saying. Remember sweet tarts? Sure do. Those were good. Sorry. I was trying to get into one of those like, uh, let's get deep into this stupid topic thing, but <laughs> yeah. like, we don't need to. Huh? Let's make this a 20-minute beer grade. Yeah. We're going to get educated <laughs> next week. It's okay. Yes. All right. I'll, I'll just be done. I'll just go next. So... I am drinking Mango Kiss from Rochester Mills Beer Company. Um, milkshake IPA. This is really good. I really like So the first beer that I had was like warm, and it, it was very mango-y, but it was not good because it was warm. But, this, <laughs> but the second one, I got to say, is pretty good. It's kind of right up my alley right now with summer. This is a great summer beer. It's 6.5 alcohol uh, by volume, and... I really like it. No, no, I, I do. Oh, really you like do. It. I thought you said you didn't. Yeah, I don't. I thought you I'm, said he didn't too. I, I probably didn't said he didn't. I'm I'm just stalling to give a beer grade. I'm gonna go with a eight point two as well. Oh, wow! All right. I have from Elk Brewing in Elk Brewing, Michigan. Uh, it's in Comstock Park, Michigan. Or it's Elk. All right, sorry. <laughs> it's from. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. Look, look at the can. It says Elk Brewing, Michigan. That's all it says right there. See it? Elk Brewing, Michigan. Yeah. So it's from Elk Brewing Company in Comstock Park, Michigan. Raspberry lime ghost. It says pucker up this slightly salty tart ale ghost. Oh, goes great with raspberry and ah. lime. I see what they did there. That Ghost. just raised it a point one point Very for me. Very nice. Um, it's five percent alcohol by volume. Uh, and basically, you know, it, I saw this can. I was like, man, I. It was hot today. It was humid. I was like, we might even record outside. But then I was like, it's too hot to do that. But <laughs> I was just thinking about a beer that would be good around the pool. This is what caught my eye. I'm a little disappointed. It. Little too salty, little too tart, sourish for me. So it's not slightly salty; it's a lot salty. It 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 was pretty salty. And which one was it? Was it tart or sour? I don't know because I wasn't listening when you were explaining to yourself there, I, and I didn't care. But I do like the the flavor. Of, like I like the raspberry flavor. I do. And I didn't care. <laughs> Stop frustrating me. I man. will. I will he listen to, tomorrow. Okay. He wants to listen. grade his beer. I will listen tomorrow. I don't even know if I explained it. You cut me off the last time. <laughs> Did I really? Yeah. I don't know. All right. Maybe. Give us an accurate grade. I'm gonna go with a seven one. I gave that one because of the pun or play on words. Is it there. really that good, or should you go lower? I might need to go lower, but I'm going to stick with a 7-1. Hmm. It's not terrible. I might like it on a better day. I, I think I hyped it up in my mind a little too much. But it's over. That that, <laughs> that sounds like a beer one of us needs to try next week. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys for recording. Not next week, because we're going to be at the hops next week. Oh. Yes. Cat's out of the bag. Yeah. So thank you guys for recording. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for the Facebook viewers for watching. We'll talk to you guys next week, if not sooner. Peace.